McDoobie here from Rolling for Recipes. I hope you're having a great day and I'm so grateful that you joined me again today for episode five of Rolling for Recipes. From last week, I let you know that the book of the week was Gard Manger, The Art and Craft of the Cold Kitchen by the Culinary Institute of America. I was very excited about this book. It's a 600 page textbook and all of us were quite excited by this book. None of us have ever been to culinary school before. So I guess having a textbook like this one was the closest we may ever get to going to culinary school. So let's start off with the McDoobie recipe review. Let's see what we cooked last week out of Gard Manger, the art and craft of the cold kitchen. Big Papa McDoobie started things off like he so often does by hopping right in the kitchen and getting to work. I can't believe how excited everyone always is each week when we roll for a book. It's been going on for, I believe it's 33 weeks now, and we're still, all of us, just excited every Sunday when we roll for that book of the week, and then it's, it's on like Donkey Kong, as they say. So anyway, Big Papa McDoobie started things off by making chili roasted peanuts with dried cherries. He did cut the salt down in the seasoning mix down to about a third of what it actually had called for in the recipe. They were still plenty salty. Uh, I think he probably could even cut the salt down a little bit more, but the flavor was really great. Just great chili flavor, not too spicy, but very deep chili flavor from roasting them in the oven in the chilies. And the cherries were a really nice touch, kind of a refreshing little pick me up amongst all that, all that chili flavor that he had going on there. We've been working on eating on those the last few days and they're very popular and everyone's enjoying handfuls of those throughout the day to keep us going here at the McDoobie Mansion. Junior McDoobie chose something very interesting in this cookbook, or rather textbook, I should say. Since the book had so many different types of condiments and salad dressings and marmalades and all that kind of thing, Junior McDoobie chose to make a yellow pepper ketchup. And he was excited by it. And it was very simple to prepare with easy to find ingredients. It smelled amazing while he was cooking it down in the pan. It pureed into a beautiful tangy ketchup. It kind of reminds me of pepper jelly. It's quaint and a little sweet. It's very tasty. All of us were like, mmm, this is, this is dang good. And Mr. McDoobie especially is excited to try it on a really good quality hot dog. Something about the flavor profile makes him crave it on a hot dog. So we'll be having that soon on something it'll keep for a good couple of weeks in the refrigerator. Very tasty. Very excited by that one. Good, good. It was really good. So, so two winners right out of the gate there. And then I made the horseradish grilled chicken wraps with creamy black pepper dressing. Well, this also was a really good dish. And I just want to back up a little bit here and just say that this Gard Manger book does not have a lot of like innovative re recipes that are like, oh, wow, that's new. That's different. It's more, it's more the classics and very well researched classics. I'll get into that a little bit more later, but so this horseradish grilled chicken wraps with creamy black pepper dressing was a, supposed to be a recipe made with boneless, skinless chicken breasts. I used boneless skinless chicken thighs instead because our family just prefers that over chicken breasts and they have the uh, recipe called for a marinade that had grated fresh horseradish in it 
we love horseradish at our house. And so that was exciting to think about horseradish flavor in our chicken. It also had grated onion. It had fresh rosemary. It had balsamic vinegar. It was supposed to have juniper berries in it. I thought we had them. We didn't. I went to the store diligently. They didn't have them at the store. I was like, okay. So I whipped out my handy phone and researched, you know, what can I use instead of juniper berries? The answer was kind of obvious after I saw it. They said, gin has juniper berries in it. So I just put a splash of gin in the marinade and chicken then had to sit for about four hours and marinade let that flavor get soaked in there. And meanwhile, I made the dressing, which was lemon, mustard, egg yolk, anchovy, a good quantity of black pepper. And it was really reminiscent of a Caesar dressing. It also had, it was supposed to have Parmesan. I used Pecorino Romano, again, because that's just what our family prefers. Whenever something calls for Parmesan, we always use Pecorino Romano. It was tasty. It was, it was a delicious dressing. It didn't taste quite like Caesar, I think, because of the the quantity of black pepper, but the anchovy definitely made it taste quite a bit like a Caesar salad dressing, which is fine because we love it. The thing I learned about in this recipe was it really helped out my chicken grilling because they said to wipe off as much of the marinade as you can after it's done soaking for four hours and blot the chicken dry with paper towel. And then you brush it with oil and sprinkle it with salt and pepper before you put it on the grill. It worked so good. It didn't stick at all. I, I've seen many different shows saying that you should oil your grill. I never do it because the thing's blazing hot. And I'm just always ready to just throw the food on there. And every time Big Papa has made jerk chicken, which is a chicken that has a lot of marinade on it, he always just sticks it right on there with all that marinade. Well, it makes a mess. It makes the grill very dirty. And this method was great. So. If you marinate chicken, try wiping it off after you've let it soak for the appropriate amount of time, pat it dry with a paper towel, and then just brush it with some vegetable oil before you put it on the grill. And it works really good. So I put these wraps together with the grilled chicken and really nice crispy romaine lettuce and the black pepper dressing. And it's all wrapped up in a 10 inch tortilla. Well, it was really good. Everybody really liked it a lot. The chicken was super juicy. Very good flavor, not very horseradishy. But then again, we really do like horseradish. So I probably would put in double of what I used in this. And as a bonus, we used the leftover creamy black pepper dressing on another wrap that I made, a bacon, lettuce, and tomato with avocado wrap. And it was it was even better on that actually. So that was all of the things that we made out of Garde Manger, The Art and Craft of the Cold Kitchen. Like I said, it's a 600-page book. There's so much in it. Just your basic mayonnaise. You can make any kind of vinaigrette, all of that kind of thing. So it was really difficult to narrow down just three recipes to make. Of course, mine counted for two because I made the horseradish grilled chicken, and plus I had to make the dressing. So there you go. Had a bonus. So that was what we made last week. It was all great. And I'm happy that we ate what we did and had a good time making my dishes. And definitely will make that style of chicken again. It kind of brought back memories of those wrap sandwiches that were so popular back in the day. Because, of course, this book's a little bit older. But I think that all of those things that we made were keepers. And that's always what we're looking for. 
when we're doing rolling for recipes, we want to find stuff that we like to eat, that we like to cook and that we like to eat. So mission accomplished on that. Well, all right, it's time for our new segment, Random Chef Facts. I introduced this new segment last week, and I just now thought of that name. I'm just going to call it Random Chef Facts, because this is the really random reality cookbook and recipe review show. The person I'm going to talk to you about today does have something to do with Gardemanger. His name is Auguste Escoffier. And I did a little bit of reading about him. I was interested because I noticed his name mentioned in the Gardemanger book. So I thought, hmm, I've heard of his name. I just kind of want to look him up and see, see what his deal is. So he was a French person who lived in the 1840s and passed away in 1935. He was a chef, a restaurateur, and a culinary writer, and he popularized and updated traditional French cooking methods. Escoffier was born in a village near Nice in France. Age of 12, even though he showed promise as an artist, his father took him out of school and had him start in, as an apprentice in the kitchen of an uncle's restaurant. Oh my gosh, the story in Wikipedia is so sad. It says he was bullied and swatted by his uncle and his small stature made him even more of a target. He was too short to open the oven doors safely. That's kind of sad. Eventually, he wore boots with built-up heels in them, apparently, according to Wikipedia. But he showed such an aptitude for cooking and for kitchen management that he was hired by a hotel um, where the owner of a fashionable Paris restaurant, Les Petites Moulins Rouge, offered him the position of an apprentice roast cook at the age of only 19 is pretty impressive. But after only a few months of arriving in Paris, he was called for active military duty where he was given the position of chef, an army chef. He spent nearly seven years in the army and he used that information that he learned in the army later on when he started working in kitchens again and he organized the staff in such a way that it was very militaristic. And he's the one who penned the words for the kitchen brigade, the style of kitchen management that's still very much in use today. Uh, there's different stations of saucier, rotissier, patissier, patisserie. I may not be saying that right. Another interesting thing I've read about Escoffier here is that besides perfecting recipes, he was really quite instrumental in elevating the position of the, of the kitchen profession. Um, in a time, and it says here in Wikipedia, that in a time when kitchens were loud, riotous places where drinking on the job was commonplace, Escoffier demanded cleanliness, discipline, and silence from his staff. In bringing order to the kitchen, he tapped into his own military experience to develop the hierarchical brigade de cuisine system for organizing the kitchen staff, which is still standard in many restaurants today. Quite an important guy, as far as the history of restaurants especially. His Recipes, techniques, and approaches to kitchen management remain highly influential today and have been adopted by chefs and restaurants, not only in France, but also throughout the world. So, Escoffier, pretty important guy. I liked that he was mentioned in the book of the week and just kind of wanted to find out who he was. I, I probably will read more about him and get a, and just expand my knowledge about what he brought to the cooking world. 
So that wraps up Random Chef Facts of the Week. And let's go into the Book of the Week review for week number 32. Garde Manger, The Art and Craft of the Cold Kitchen by the Culinary Institute of America. As I mentioned before, it's a textbook. It even has a person's name written in the front cover. Her name is Ellen Ferraro. I wonder if she ever finished her culinary studies. You know, I wonder if she she finished this book and went on to work in restaurants. Who knows? I did notice that in the probably the second half of the book, I saw quite a few highlighted sections. And it was really cool to think about what this book has been through and what it meant to Ellen Ferraro. Curious to wonder what happened to her, but it is an excellent reference book, especially for standards like vinaigrettes and sauces, mayonnaise, how to fix a broken sauce. Oh, I hate when that happens. You know what that means? Let's say you make like a hollandaise, a bernay, some other kind of creamy, maybe egg yolky sauce, and it gets kind of curdled. Oh, that's so, I mean, it still tastes good, but it looks not so great and the texture isn't great so it does teach you how to fix that it talks about the whys and how emulsifying works i really found that part to be quite interesting just the science behind why whisking oil with other ingredients does what it does oil and vinegar and then how eggs and actually mustard too is an emulsifier i did not know that i found that very interesting so even though there's, like I said before, there's nothing all that exciting or cutting edge about the recipes themselves, but it is a great book for basic information. I would say that depending upon your own situation, if you are collecting books like we do, well, maybe it won't be that crazy, but let's say you, you have room to collect quite a few books. This is a great reference book to have on hand. I really do think it is. The biggest issue with this book is that the quantities are just not for the home cook. That dressing I made, the bl the creamy black pepper dressing, it was going to make 32 ounces of dressing. <laughs> That's too much dressing. And of course you can cut cut recipes down, but that's kind of a pain. I did do that and I thought I was making 16 ounces of dressing. I ended up with only about 10. So who knows what happened there. And Junior had to do the same thing with the ketchup. And ended up with a much smaller amount than he thought he was going to, but it didn't matter because it tasted great. So that's something that I wish uh, Big Papa McDoobie would pay attention to more. I was noticing that this book has instructions for making your own bacon, making your own pastrami, all of that kind of thing. And it calls for like six pork bellies. I mean, good, good God, it's definitely restaurant quantities. Oh, but all in all, we all had a good time with this book. I think that Junior and I like it better than Big Papa does. But that could be because he has more of a foundation than the rest of us, although he has broken some sauces in his day. So Big Papa, maybe you should read Guard Manger a little bit more. So this is definitely where we'll be keeping that book. So just a little bit about that word or those two words, Guard Manger. I wanted to just just briefly let you know what I read about in the beginning of the book in the preface. And there's a lot of history behind it. The term originally was used to identify a storage area, such as for ham, sausages, and cheeses. So way back in the day. Over time, the term evolved, the term guard manger, 
evolved to indicate either a station in a professional kitchen that's responsible for preparing cold foods, or it could mean the cooks and chefs who prepare those foods, and or it could mean an area of specialization in professional culinary arts. So that word has just kind of morphed over time. The history of garde manger is obviously in Europe. Specially stored items such as ham and cheese became a part of the commerce and trade, and it was also included in dowries. Can you imagine? Oh, here, I want to get married. Oh, I'm going to marry my poor daughter off to this, you know, who knows who. Nobody she picked, that's for sure, back in the day, right? And here, here's the ham, maybe a wheel of cheese. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Eventually, rules were put into place. And something called guild became the norm. Guild, G-U-I-L-D. And by the end of the 16th century, there were two dozen guilds in place, all dedicated specifically to different kinds of food. Isn't that crazy to think about that? That's so interesting. However, with the French Revolution, nobles abandoned their homes because they didn't want to get the guillotine and servants had nowhere to go. They basically were abandoned. And they started working in restaurants. And eventually the guild system was completely abolished in 1791. Gosh, this would be a really good one to do for Drunk History. Have you ever seen that show? It's hilarious, Drunk History. Somebody, an actress or actor will read history and they're actually drunk. It's kind of funny. But anyway, so the guild system was abolished in 1791. And eventually production kitchens were organized into the brigade which we just talked about with the Scoffier. And that system is still in place today with sauciers, rotissier, rotissier, patissier, and garde manger. And it's a detailed, logical chain of command. So that ties that all together. I just thought that was pretty cool. All right, up next, my other new segment that I introduced last week. And that's when I'm going to give you a recommendation of just some kind of kitchen thing, some kind of kitchen tool or equipment that I personally like to use and I want to share it with you. So Lubell's favorite kitchen things is next. For this week, I want to recommend that the next time you're at a beauty supply place, like maybe Sally Beauty Supply, pick yourself up a pack of the plastic hair caps. I'm not kidding, plastic shower cap looking things. Like when you get your hair colored or highlighted, they stick that on your head. These are phenomenal in the kitchen. They work perfectly over a bowl of dough or cover up a pan of something you're marinating. Obviously you want to throw away ones that you use for marinating raw meat, etc. Um, I reuse the same ones over and over again for my dough. They work great. I know it sounds funny and it looks weird, but they're just so handy with that elastic band thingamabopper around the bottom that keeps it on your head. That same elastic band will keep your plastic wrap over your food. So bam, that's your tip of the week, Lubell's favorite kitchen things. <music> All right, it was our favorite day of the week as usual, Sunday, and we got to roll for a book. It was Junior's turn this time, and he rolled 
section number five, and I believe it was book 13. What's so funny, you should see us. Maybe I'll take a video someday. We stand around our coffee table in our living room, and whoever's turn it is makes a big production out of it and gets the 20-sided die. And we're all like kind of just like holding our breath, just waiting to see which book we're going to get. Well, I was hoping that we might land on the section that has the seafood and island type things. And that's because I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to be on an island here very soon. And so I thought it'd be handy to have that style of cooking just in the back of my mind while I was out of town. But the book of the week for week number 33 is The Heritage of Italian Cooking by Lorenza de Medici from 1990. So maybe I'll be making some Italian food in Hawaii next week. Who knows? Actually, by the time you listen to this, I will be in Hawaii. As a side note, I am planning on making a bonus episode while I'm there. So be on the lookout for that. It might even come out the same day as this episode. Who knows? I don't know what's going to happen over there. Anyways, week number 33, The Heritage of of Italian Cooking by Lorenza de Medici from 1990. So this book is large. It's a large format book. It's not particularly thick, but I think it's about 11 by 14. And from what what I could tell by looking through it today, it's as much an art and history book as it is a cookbook. It has these stunning color plates all throughout it. Art from the 14th and 15th, 16th, 17th centuries. Very beautifully done. It appears to be exceedingly well researched. It even has a bibliography in the back with some of the sources as ancient as the 14th and 15th century. Um, I did notice that each recipe has some kind of description about the historical significance of the dish and whether or not it's a historical dish or a modern one. Very cool. Each chapter, like, you know, it's broken up like a typical cookbook, soups and desserts and breads and vegetables and meat, you know, the standard. But each one of those chapters has approximately 10 pages of history, art, and photographs at the start of each chapter. So you can see why I think it's just as much an art and history book as it is a cookbook. So all of us went first. When we first rolled it, we're like a little disappointed at first because everyone was hoping that I was going to get something Hawaii-tastic. And then we looked at it, all of us gathered around the coffee table. We're like, oh, wait a second. This book's actually beautiful. It's not some goofy, you know, 1970s book where you can't even eat the food. And we do have a few of those books, unfortunately. This one seems to be very well researched and historically accurate from what I can tell. All righty, that's all I have for you today for episode five on this Friday, April 22nd. And I want to thank you again so much for all of your support and for recommending this podcast to your friends and your family. I hope that you will follow Rolling for Recipes on Instagram and connect with me either through my website or on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. My email address is lubell at rollingforrecipes.com. That's L-U-B-E-L-L-E 
at rollingforrecipes.com, all spelled out, F-O-R, not a You just have a great rest of your day, and thank you again for listening to Rolling for Recipes. This is Lou Bell McDoobie, signing out. Mm-hmm.